Welcome to The Jelling Pot with me, James Jelling And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest. But before I introduce you to him, a word from our sponsor. Our Delling Pod sponsor, Thor Holt, has taken a vow of silence in January and is letting his clients talk today. The first client is the owner of a multi-award winning Scottish IT firm. Managing director Cheryl says, Thor is like Marmite. Love it or hate it. He's honest, authentic, funny, clever and super talented. We have laughed and cried and he is just amazing at what he does. If you need help with strategic presentations, I never go anywhere else. Feel fortunate to always have him in my corner. I hate Marmite, but bloody love this man. The final client feedback note is a company owner who employs Thor as a non-executive director to help him aggressively scale up and then exit his Yorkshire-based business. He says, Thor, you're underselling yourself. You do what you say on the tin, but better. You've absolutely turbocharged me. Properly stoked my fire. I hope you like my Yorkshire accent there. Read 80 more client recommendations for Thor and connect with him today at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt, H-O-L-T. Um, Tom Luongo, I hope Good I pronounced you, you right. It's, it's great to have you on. You, you, you've been a much demanded guest. Ah, um, okay. But you know what? I don't know whether you've ever listened to the to the Delling Pod. I really, really hate long preambles. Like I, I kind of prefer to to cut to the cut to the chase. So you you are the host of the the Gold Goats and Guns podcast. Just give me a mm-hmm. give me a, a kind of fifteen second TLDR on who you are and what you do. Uh, I'm the guy who takes the geopolitics of the world, marries them to the markets, and tells you this is what's going to happen next. That's I try to make sense of the world going mad from that intersection between geopolitics and markets. That is, uh, you sound like just the most the dream guest actually, because I think <laughs> so many of my viewers and listeners want to know a how to make sense of the shit that's going on, and b how to kind of maybe even benefit benefit from it. Because no, sure, I, I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm telling, I'm teaching grandma to suck eggs here, but I mean, the lying, the way we are lied to by the media is so relentless now. I mean, it's just, yes. it's just embarrassing how, really how much is. lying goes on. Yes. And I'm presuming that if one can work out what the underlying, what the truth is behind the narrative, one can kind of make like a bandit. Oh yeah, no. If you if you can, yeah, and that's the hard part because the the hard part about um, um, the the handicapping all this is trying to identify who the factions are and who's actually fighting, because we're we're not just dealing with lying; we're dealing with overlapping psyops from intelligence agencies from every you know corner of the globe. You've got the CIA, you've got MI six, you've got the Russians, you've got the Chinese, you've got everybody is lying all the time. Yeah. Who controls, who then is the mapping, just who's the mouthpiece for which faction is actually as hard as anything else, right? But once you, yeah. you know, kind of get all that under your belt, and, I, and, I, and I've been a fan of yours for a long, long time. So this is this is fun for me, too. Because um, okay. I remember when I first started reading your, your, your climate change skepticism on Lou Rockwell years ago, I was like... All right, James, we're we're on the same path here, the same page here, and climate change is the big lie, right? That we're all dealing with, because um, all the the the, the idiotic uh, commentary and the idiotic policy comes stems from that. 
So when I'm looking at this right now, the, 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 the big problem is trying to, is for everybody is to get wrap their heads around that because we've reached a kind of inflection point in history and everybody's ox is being gored, the old relationships are starting to break down. The ones we had mapped out 10 years ago or even five years ago with the central banks, with the, 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 even the, the commercial banks, with the, with the, the, the parliaments and you know, the globalists and all of this stuff, all those old relationships are breaking down. And you can see it happening in real time. And I've been the guy standing out on the street corner, you know, with holding the end as an eye sign going, look, the Fed is off the, is off the reservation because the Fed and Davos, for lack of a better term, don't agree about where we're going to go with the future, right? Because their incentives don't line up. And if their incentives don't line up, and then you look at the, the people pushing each, you know, looking at who's in charge of the policy, and you, we know that personnel is policy, then things have changed. And Jerome Powell is not cut from the same cloth as Ben Bernanke or even Janet Yellen. And therefore, we have to we should be assessing the Fed from a different perspective than we have when those two were in charge. And certainly in a post-Trump era and a variety of other things, post-Brexit era as well. So I like I like the nuance there. I mean, as, as you may or may not know, I, I sometimes talk about the, the predator class. Mm -hmm. I talk about the powers that be. I talk about the cabal. I mean, you know, there the are myriad, myriad names for these shadowy figures. Mm -hmm. um, but you're suggesting they're not a, a kind of monolithic block, that they are like rival, rival sort of mafia gangs, if you like, Absolutely. sort of competing for power. Yeah, that's a very Rothbardian view of this. I am a libertarian, right? I, you know, thirty like invoked Lou Rockwell at this point. I just realized, you know, a long time ago that it's always best to constantly ask yourself the question, why are they acting like this? Or what what's what do they benefit from? What does the Fed benefit from allowing Christine Lagarde and Klaus Schwab to reorient global monetary policy to fight climate change? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The Fed owns the world's reserve currency. Maybe not forever, but why would they give that up willingly to a bunch of, frankly, to a bunch of Euro trash commie faggots? I don't get it. It never made any sense to me. And so from that perspective, and then I go and say, okay, well, who owns the New York Fed, right? The New York commercial banks, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, and the rest of them. Why would they want to do away with the private formation of capital? Like, why would they want to go along with this? Unless they couldn't stop it in times previous. And then when they pushed their guy Powell in under Trump, they could actually get everything changed. And they can actually start to wrest control of the global banking system back from a, a globalist takeover, a, a different faction of globalist takeover that's literally communist in their in their view that we're going to end private formation of capital and commercial banking, go to purely a kind of state banking model, which is what central, which is what retail central bank digital currencies are all about, and all the stuff that the WEF, the WEF is pushing. And they're just a front organization for the Tony Blairs and the John Kerrys and all the rest of those, you know, those shitbag globalists. So, you know, on the other side of it, it's like, well, okay, we're going to take the most powerful banking lobby and political lobby in the world, the New York banks, and we're going to tell them, oh, no, you have to get, go along with climate change. Now, they did it when it was to their advantage. And Goldman Sachs was happy to sell carbon credits but not to the extent that they're going to no longer have a seat at the freaking table. Like, and that was the, that was the bridge too far. And I honestly believe that they, when I review the history now, and I review the fight that, that ensued over getting Powell 
um, uh, appointed, getting John Williams in at the New York Fed, and the fight over Judy Shelton, the old, you know, she's Goldbug, for Christ's sake. They, they wanted to put her on the, the FOMC board as well. And, you know, when John McCain and Kamala Harris are high-fiving on the Senate floor to block Judy Shelton's nomination to the FOMC, we kind of have, the, that's like the perfect microcosm of how important it was to get control of the Fed to these, you know, these freaking globalists. So that's the way I, that's the way I see it. So it's clear to me that this is this actual fight um, between Fed, the Fed, and Davos has been in has been in the planning stages for over five years. It the the J.P. Morgan went on the offensive in the six to nine months before the repo crisis of 2019 by refusing all any and all European debt as collateral for repo transactions so they couldn't get any actors european banks couldn't get any dollars which is actually what caused the the repo crisis of 2019 but they did it on purpose because it actually started the process of destroying the uh the the ecb and you know the target and starting to blow up the target two liabilities by the way i think that's why they gave us covid six months later to force the fed to pivot and print a whole bunch of money and and get the, the you know the, the the threefer right they get to kill off a bunch of people they get to kill off a bunch of old people so they don't have to pay their pensions and then you know then they can go for the clot shot and all the rest of this stuff and it's just it's just all so unbelievably evil when you stop to think except about it. it's just it's ridiculous detail that what's that the the if, if they were trying to to kill old people, they really screwed up there, didn't they? Because well, actually, I, I think COVID wasn't as strong as it wasn't as as good as it, it wasn't as a gain of function wasn't as 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 good as they, they had hoped for. But they did kill off a lot of people here in the United States. I mean, oh yeah, no, but yeah. I'm, I'm thinking more about the vaccine. You know, yeah, oh, because, yeah. because you you look at the hit that has been taken. I mean, mm-hmm. more of the more of Generation X that that whatever that age group is have been killed by by the COVID vaccine than died in the Vietnam War. I mean, the, the, the attrition it has taken on, on, yes. on your people and my people, not just deaths, myocarditis and stuff, sure. but also injuries, the number of people who've been taken out of the workplace. Yes. They, I mean, I'm often makes sense Because we're the ones that they don't want to pay the, the, they don't want to pay our pensions. Like they know that, we know that they know that we know that they're never going to pay our social security. Right. Yeah. So, and there we're also uh, numerically the smallest generation of the four post-war. So, kill a bunch of us off, and we never get to take political power, which is what they're desperately trying to do: is to move political power, skip Gen X, go from the Boomers directly to the Millennials. And they, if you watch American American uh, domestic policy and you watch electoral politics, it's very clear what they're trying to do. They're trying to hand off. They're trying to skip us, go directly and give it all to, to, to the AOCs of the world. They don't want Ron DeSantis and company coming in and tearing the whole fucking thing down. That's what they don't that want. Is, that is such a good point. I've never heard it expressed before. Oh. Um, nice one. Because that, that gels with something that I've observed and maybe you've observed. Hmm. That the biggest re- resistance to all this shit, the most articulate people, the most awake people, are Generation X, the rave generation. Yes, absolutely. I mean, why is that? Well, because we're the nomads. We're the ones who were left in front of the television set as the latchkey kids. Our, our, we don't believe our parents. We all grew up on some of the... And think about our... You know, I, I do, like... I, I, I don't just do geopolitics and markets because I love movies and I love pop culture. And I think that pop culture yeah. is a very important... Um, window into the soul of you know each individual generation and yada, yada, yada. So look at our formative movies. 
this is Heather's repo man. <laughs> like if you really look at, at, at what, you know, Blade Runner, Gen, I mean, if you look at Gen X's touchstones, like as, and then of course, Star Wars and, and so, so you have the heroic stuff like Star Wars, the, the good heroic narratives like Star Wars. And then you have the really cynical takes on the power structure as, you know, embodied by, you know, uh, embodied by, you know, the movies I just mentioned and, and others. Yeah. Um, you get a kind of, they, you know, we got a really strong education in, in story. And it was probably the last good generation of story that came out of Hollywood. And then, you know, obviously I think, I, I personally think the Davos shitbags have, have been in charge of destroying storytelling in Hollywood for 30 years. And, you know, the Coen brothers even commented on this in Hail Caesar. Right with the, I don't know if you ever watched Hail Caesar, the the movie they made about making movies in the in the 1950s, and uh, the communist, you know, there's it's this whole thing with the whole subplot with the commies um, and, and uh, making religious epics in the 50s. It's really great. It's actually really great, um, really great film by the the Coen Brothers from that perspective because they really do kind of tear the bandaid off of all that stuff. Um, so yeah, Although, I just I find it really just, fascinating. Just... So so. Just, just um, riffing here the, the, on on the movie theme. Hmm. Uh, the, the 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 what's the previous generation? The Boomers. They did have the Parallax View and mm -hmm. Three Days of the Condor. So right. they so they too are alive to, to conspiracies. Yeah, so oh yeah, absolutely. Been... Yeah, the, the movies like the Iger Sanction and others like that. You know, you like say, you know, but you know, then we wind up with you know, think about it. Like when we were in our thirties, we had the Bourne movies, right? I was just watched. I just rewatched the, yeah, yeah. the Born Identity last night for the first time since I saw it in the theaters. And I'm like, why do I want to watch this movie? And I hit the. I let, but sometimes you let your, you let your you let your hindbrain do the talking. It's like, yeah, let me let me watch Matt Damon and let's see what's going on. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's all right there. And even in, in the Born Identity, like, and there's so many of those films. We 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 grew up the, that whole like eight. Late '90s, early 2000s. There was a whole lot of movies like that where the U.S. government became the bad guys, where you know they were where bad people who were raised within this you know this government system trying trying to get out trying to get out of it. It's like that's the whole story of the Born Identity, right? Does he you know he doesn't go through with his mission in the end because there's a kid sitting there and he's like, wow, I can't do this, and his last vestige of humanity manifests itself and he has to and that's why he becomes a that's you know the, the after that I, I haven't watched the movies in so long i can't you know give you a good no i don't i don't i don't get excited about certainly new movies sure. any anymore mm -mm. Are, are you are you with me though on i think that movies are essentially controlled by the forces of darkness oh i yeah for the most part yeah i i'm watching and, the fight over the dc films from Warner Brothers and like that whole, I mean, it's very clear that Zack Snyder in the, the like the DC films was trying to make a an anti woke uh, story to reassert you know proper heroic storytelling in the proper context of you know faith and culture and all of these things. And the studio execs took one look at those movies and said, no, we need to kill that. And then they just and they they just literally performed editorial acts of vandalism on their own films in order to tear it down. And then, and then destroy it. And then you can see even now, like Bob Iger getting thrown out of Disney, getting replaced, and then coming back. That's again, we're not going to let Disney out from underneath our control. We're going to put, you know, we're going to put the shitbags back in control to destroy us, um, to destroy our culture. And I'm seeing the fight within WB 
or the the new Warner Brothers Discovery over the future of DC film because the DC heroes are the closest things we have to like modern myths, much more so than Marvel. Marvel's always been an, a reaction against uh, going back to through comic book history. I'm a big comic book fan as well, and Marvel has always been a kind of beatnik reactionary um, world, you know, reactionary to the classic you know heroes of the DC pantheon which were all you know just the, the greek gods reimagined and then if you look at the the most of the marvel characters other than like spider-man um you what you see is a whole bunch of reactionary you know beating a hippie bullshit and then so what a shock that marvel has always been on the forefront of telling basically why marxism is great and the whole marvel <laughs> whole marvel you know phase one leading up to thanos it's like remember thanos rhymes with davos um you know, he's just the ultimate Malthusian and Malthusian yeah, yeah. thinking is always wrong. So, you know what I mean? And they tried to hear yeah. Thanos. It's disgusting. So you reckon you reckon that there are goodies within the Hollywood system? Because I mean, I, I, I see, mm -hmm. see I the entertainment industry really being serving two main functions, at least for the for the the powers that be one is predictive programming to sort yes. of prepare us for the horrors to come and, and, and kind of make us accept it more easily. Mm -hmm. And second is revelation of the method, which mm -hmm. is because of their sort of satanic karma. They believe that if they show you what they're doing to you, it absolves them of, of kind of moral responsibility. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That's what they're doing. And then you have individual filmmakers who understand how to sell their films and subvert them. And I think Christopher Nolan is one of those guys. And it took me a long time to finally make my peace with Nolan because his early films, I could I could easily make an ar argument that he was a Marxist from a story construction perspective. I, I still have a real hate on for Memento, his first film, or his first major film. Um, but it became very clear when I really did a, a deep dive and a, text, a, a textual dive on his later films that he would keep selling to Warner Brothers. Oh, the driving part plot here is climate change has destroyed humanity. But then he tells this incredibly based fucking story about individual, about, about individuals overcoming this stuff. He just, he's done a great job. He did it in the Batman movies. He did it in Interstellar. Um, you know, he's even done it in Tenet and other films like that. So I really give Nolan a lot of credit for that of selling it right. And then being so successful that he, in a, in a sense, kind of like Stanley Kubrick was mostly free from studio interference to make his films because he has enough power. I think Zack Snyder's been able to do much the same thing uh, and a few others here and there. And then there's even some of them who are liberal by their personal politics, but are such good storytellers that they always care about the story first. And I'm thinking specifically about a guy like Ryan Johnson, whose poli personal politics I don't agree with at all because I know he's a lib, but he still is an excellent filmmaker and, and and he's not doing predictive programming as much as he's just telling great stories with with very very strong commentary and you can you know you can you can you can ignore his politics if you need to because i still think he tells great stories first and i know a lot of people will get angry with me especially the star wars fans but i happen to love the last jedi so for a variety of reasons um you're you're sorry you, you do sound tom Mm. kind of upbeat and op optimistic which is i think more than where i am at the moment i mean mm. I'm, I, I'm looking at the world right. and i'm thinking okay we are we seem to be living currently in a another phony war stage of the the war on on us the people right. by 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 this this tiny tiny um cabal um because if you'd asked me a year ago where we'd be now 
I would have said that, well, most of us would be dead. Um, I would have predicted that the, 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 the food shortages would already have kicked in. We'd be eating our cats, um, that we wouldn't be able to travel anymore, that, um, you know, st stuff like that. Oh, right. oh, and also the, the currency system, the, the, the global financial system would already have collapsed. Mm. None of the, I, I still think all these things will come to pass, but none of them have yet. And I'm wondering, is this because the, their shit is not going to plan? Mm. Or is it because they are devious and playing the long game and they've got something up their sleeve, e.g. my number one bet would be war, Mm -hmm. Either either with Russia, which seems to be building up, you know, yes. the, the the building up of the Polish army. Mm -hmm. I think that they're possibly uh, preparing for, you know, dragging Poland into the war mm -hmm. or war with China. Or both or all of the above or both. It's, yeah. it's, you're actually it's both. It's all of the above. I think the shit's not going to work and they can't stop doing what they're doing because they are psychopaths. And psychopaths yes. and narcissists do not back down. They double down, right? Um, they don't have a reverse gear. And uh, one of the things I wrote recently was to, to remind everybody that even when it comes to Russia the, and the war on Russia, every it's like every bit of uh, attrition that they inflict on the Russians from the certainly from the neoconservative US UK neoconservative perspective which is another which is a separate faction from Davos I think they're the useful idiots of Davos um from their perspective any amount of cost that they put on the Russians is okay is worth it in service of trying to eventually break the Russians up it doesn't matter how much it costs us because we're so much richer than they are so we can take the hit and it doesn't matter it's flawed thinking it's terrible thinking it's disgusting and it's going to and it's going to backfire on all of them terribly so they're going to take us to war, right? But at the same time, human systems are a lot more resilient than we give them credit for. So these systems want to have, and so far have resisted the 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 collapse, and the collapse is coming. Okay, and don't, don't get me wrong, and I don't think it's though I don't believe it's it's going to come until twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. I don't even think it's going to happen this year. I think this bits and pieces are more bits and pieces are going to collapse. I think there's going to be more divisions within the European Union. You got you know many things that are going to start happening there. But and I'm not necessarily optimistic, but I do believe that we've reached peak Davos and we're on the backside of it. We're on the peak peak globalist and we're on the backside of it. And that doesn't mean that. It's over. It just means that you know that they're done. It just means that were, we've reached their peak, and now they're here. So they still have a lot of power. You know, next year yeah. they'll have a little less power, and then a little less, and eventually we'll go. We'll we'll move down the bell curve, and by twenty thirty they will be. Hopefully, they'll be a memory, right? But there's a lot of inertia within the system, with all of these systems that they control, and those things are going to act on autopilot, and they're still going to continue to get the same um, orders that they've been getting, and we're just going to have to watch the process play itself out. And in the process, they're going to do an unbelievable amount of fucking damage. And they've already done some. Yeah, but and it's going to, it's and it, you know, and, but that's also going to create the generation of people that are going to be so freaking hard that they're like, you know, fuck you. We're never going to listen to a word you ever have to say again. And I, what I hope is that what I've seen so far out of both the American people and the European people is that they have no appetite for going to war. So, they may order a war, but a whole lot of people may not show up. And then what? Now, they've well, got presumably goals. they'll have stuff like conscription. Well, they can try. 
But if, but see, the, especially here in the United States, Davos has done his whole plan is to undermine all of the institutions of the United States, right? Economics, political, legal, cultural, everything. Okay. And then you got the millennials who are some of the softest people I've ever seen. And you're going to expect them to show up and be conscripted into an army that for a country, they don't even fucking believe in anymore. They believe in the, the United States less than, the, than we do. They're like, no, it's, it's okay. If Texas and Florida want to leave, let them leave. Why do we need to be a part of this? What are we doing here? They've already, one of the things about the millennial, especially U.S. millennials, I don't know about British millennials, but certainly U.S. millennials, is that they've been fucked three times over. Y2K, they've watched their parents go broke three times. Y2K, 2008, and COVID. Well, they watched their parents go broke twice, and now they went broke in 2020, 2022 when COVID hit. They were just starting to think, oh, my God, I have, I'm going to have a chance at a house and a family and this and that. And now we, have, we all have to live in our basements again. Like, they're so black-pilled uh, in many ways, while at the same time, you know, kind of muddle-headed about what, you know, how we should organize capital because they've been sold this, this, this like kind of soft Marxism. Like it, it doesn't, none of it's going to compute. And at some point they're going to be like, uh, no, this isn't going to work. You're going to ask me to go to war in Ukraine to fight Russians. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, no. And you know, I also have friends who are in like the national guard and I'm like, Oh no, there's like all they're, all they're doing is hanging out and playing poker and, and you know having gay sex like that's all i see um, <laughs> like i have that like on a good authority by friends of mine who are in the free national guard for christ's sake and have been like the point is it obligatory having gay sex in the, in the national guard is it yeah well you know it is what it is like i you know i have oh. i have homosexual friends who are like i haven't gotten this much tail and i can't tell you how long like you know Hey, the Spartans. The Spartans were gay. That's. A, I mean, obviously, it, it works. <laughs> for, and no, it, yeah, yeah, no judgment here or anything. Band. It is what it is, right? So I'm just telling you that I just, I just don't see the. I just. This is the thing. I, I you know, I, I worry that, you know, the United States military. Like, don't get me wrong. I, are special forces still top notch? Yes. Are, you know, British special forces still top notch. Of course they are. But yeah. and they fight a war. You know against china or the russians certainly not the chinese like the chinese can call up freaking 100 100 million people what are you going to do like yeah yeah <laughs> well well i would say, i would say nuke them except i don't even believe in nuclear weapons anymore i'm not i'm i'm i think they're part of the soil but mm. the, the the um <laughs> The, I, I i happen to i, 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 I happen I, to want i happen to think you know the scientist says me says likely likely real because it, it doesn't make any, it, I don't see any profit in not believing it and believing in the threat, ultimately. But maybe I'm wrong. I'm ha- always happy to be wrong. Yeah. I think that was a rabbit you know, I, I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. It was very mm-hmm. naughty of me to open, open the rabbit hole because right. actually there's so much more important shit we need to right. discuss. Um, and I hate to share your optimism to any degree because, like, well, why would I? But. There is one point I, I agree with you on about, about this, this the, the, the wall. That they are desperately trying to stoke with with Ukraine. So, so I've I've given I'm oh, sorry with Russia, I've I've given up reading the, reading the newspapers. I just think they're absolute horseshit. And 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 yeah. I used to spend. I mean, look, I spent the bulk of my career working writing for newspapers and believing in the system. I, right. I it never occurred to me for one second, one mm-hmm. millisecond, that this was merely propaganda for the predator class. It was all lies, or right. pretty much lies, and. And unfortunately, my wife still insists on on subscribing to the Daily Telegraph, which is the mm-hmm. paper I, I spent most of my time working for. Right. And 
I turn to it and almost every day there is a piece by one of the one of their their defense their so-called defense experts or uh, most recently it was a, a a friend of mine Dan Hannon who's now Lord Hannon is in the you know mm. he was a, a an MEP and stuff and he was writing a piece saying it's really you know we must throw everything we can into defeating Putin. It's really, it's really, really important. And 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 uh, and of all the options, this is the only thing we must adopt. And then you had Douglas Murray writing a piece for the New York Daily, the, the New York Post. Right. He went out to Ukraine and he came back, uh, c- concluding, yes, we must pour more more materiel into the into so we can win this this vitally important war. And I don't know whether anyone else shares my cynicism. I bet they do. I bet they're turning in, into their, their papers and saying, reading this article and saying, hang on a second, we are having trouble struggling to pay our electricity bills. Uh, it, uh, the Daily Mail had, had a piece the other day saying that if you want a bath every day, it's going to cost you £1,000 a year. I don't, I don't know whether that's for a family or just one person. Uh, people have got other stuff to worry about other than this far off country of which they still know very little other than it's got a blue and a blue and um, yellow flag, a yellow flag. Mm-hmm. and they don't really care about this stuff and the, I, I feel like they're really flogging a dead horse here no they they really are um and uh i and and when you see them doing that you know how desperate the actual situation is on the ground when you when they pull out a conservative stalwart like dan hannon to try and you know keep the conservatives best on both sides of the pond because he's well respected over here okay yeah as a you know that's a that's a tell that things are really bad and now this is not to yes. say that the russians have like you know uh, distinguished themselves as being great on the battlefield or anything but and that's up to for debate i don't actually want to get into that debate for many 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 reasons because there's just so little good data about it and you can always yeah make arguments as that this is the best way for the russians to have fought this war as opposed to they're just not any good at it which is one those are two those that's basically what it comes down to um i happen to think it's a little bit of both but um so yeah now when you see it like that it's very clear that they're just that they will not that that, that this is a, a desperation play because there are too many people out here out there whose ox is getting gored if if ukraine falls and the russians are able to open up the treasure trove of what's actually been done in ukraine then the whole project collapses when it gets to the un are you talking about the child trafficking trafficking or yeah, child trafficking you know gain of function research blah 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 you all of it the the, the mass graves the, I mean, all of it like it's insane and you know the the question then you have to ask yourself is why are they so desperate and i think the best answer is because they know the system as you alluded to earlier is on the verge of collapse and as a matter of fact they want it to collapse because they need a scapegoat to destroy the system and rebuild it leaving them in charge of it see the what the 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 the, the needle they're trying to thread the eye of the needle they're trying to thread here is we want to inject enough chaos into the world to blow it all apart such that we get to maintain control over it. Well, I got news for you guys. We're, this is 1939 or 1945. We're in a much different information space than we were then. And they're trying to control the information space in such a way that they still, that's why Twitter was so important. 
um, trying to get... Do, do you think that? What's that? Do, do you think proportionately more people are, uh, as a proportion of the population, more people are awake now than in the 1930s, say? I do. I think in the 1930s, I think people still trusted their governments. Okay. Um, and this is not to say that, you know, they wanted the government in their lives the way they are today, right? But they, they but when the government spoke, they didn't, they, they believed in, in the idea. You know, they, they believed the government yeah. was lying to them. Um, what happens when you lie enough is that eventually then people just don't believe what you're saying at all. And that's a dangerous divide. That's a dangerous difference. Back then, everybody, I, I, you know, every back then, the, the kind of everyday libertarians today in America were kind of the center, right? From a political perspective, that was the center of the country. No one wanted the government in their life, no, be, be it, you know, Democrats or Republicans. No one wanted the daily intrusions or the, or the taxes or the this or the regulations or the nanny state or any of that stuff. But when the country called them to war, they went because it was because they believed in the country and they believed in the society and they believed that there was a, a thing. Today, like this is what I don't understand about what Davos has done. Like they want the United States to fight a two-front war against against two nuclear powers, and yet they want to do it with Americans who don't believe in the institutions that would, you know, give them the fervor to fight the war. Like you can't have it yeah. both ways. So they've they've created this this they've created a set of differential equations in my mind that does not that do not solve, and so. This is why the, I think the whole thing is going to be pushed to its crisis point, which is where, which is the period we're entering now. But then the whole thing will collapse. So I agree with Martin Armstrong, for example, on this on this point completely. He's been he's been saying this for a long time, and I think he's he's right about it. Just you know, and, and then think about the level of 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 implementation that they have to like put in place. They, these people can't even get you know. I mean, it looks like they're winning. It looks like they're putting all the bits and pieces together and everything. Then they got to actually get people to run this system. And, you know, how easy okay. is it to, 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 to blow all their systems apart? Because half of them are incompetent and God, God knows none of them can even code for, you know, for Christ's sake. So. Can, I, can I just um, sure. sidetrack you there? Uh, Martin sure. Armstrong, um, mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned him because mm -hmm. his latest piece I read was about the, has something been happening to the gold price recently. Has it been going? Has it been doing? Yeah, quite gold well? is gold is pushing up towards nineteen hundred dollars. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm glad about that. Yeah, yeah no, it's I'm been yeah, but it's been it's, it's had a nice January run, which is like kind of expected actually at this point. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, before, before we go on to, go on to gold, you, uh, Martin says, yeah. um, you, 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 I'm sure you've read it. He says that this is because the Chinese are buying up lots of gold, yes. um, getting rid of their American debt mm -hmm. in preparation for war. Absolutely. Are you I agree with him completely. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, 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 I've, been saying, I've been saying that we're going to have a full-blown commodity rally in 2023, which is why inflation is going in the United States is going to come back in a roar sometime around Q2. Like it started to attenuate a little bit the last couple of months. We're back down into the the low sevens. It'll go back to ten percent because copper. Literally, as we're talking about it, copper broke above four dollars this morning. It's a technical breakout on both the weekly and the monthly charts in copper, um, or the daily and the weekly charts. And we already had a break. We already had a reversal signal in the monthly chart back in November. I can like push this gobbledygook out the door all day long. Uh, seeing the same thing across the board in like nickel, aluminum, tin. All the base metals are starting to break out. Oil is putting in a base at around eighty dollars. Um, the biggest tell there is that the the Biden administration doesn't 
so said they they refused all oil tenders for refilling the SPR strategic oil, uh, petroleum reserve in February because the price was too high. No, well, I got news for you, Joe. It's going higher because the Chinese, once the COVID is done ripping through the Chinese population, which should take about six to eight weeks, China's economy is going to come back like a freaking house on fire and it's going to send oil to $140 a barrel. Oh, no. Oh, yes. That's terrible because uh, already my, my, the, I, I have oil heating in my house, in, mm-hmm. uh, in my drafty country house. Yes. And already it's twice what it was, literally twice what it was last year. Yeah. And it's getting really, it's getting well, really. And, and, this is, and the the part of that is because, you know, they won't, because your government believes that we need to stop Putin and therefore you're not allowed to buy Russian Urals grade at $50 a barrel or $40. I mean, uh, you know, you're not they even. don't believe buy. it. They pretend to believe it. Yeah, they, 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 it's it's ridiculous. So, you know, but this is what these people do. With, and I, I I firmly believe that we're going to be looking at at least, a, you know, even if it worst, my worst case scenario of oil in, in 2023 is that we just kind of tread water between 80 and $100 a barrel. But any kind of shock whatsoever, we'll send it to 140 Okay, so and it'll the be Chinese are gearing up for war. But how, how big a war is this going to be? Are they just going to, they're going to take Taiwan or are they going to, is it going to be the full-blown? These are all good questions. I think 2023 is the, um, is the year that we, we see the U.S. pull out of Syria and Iraq. That the Turks have. Well, good. Yes. Oh, ex- and no, excellent. But unfortunately, those troops will be moved to Poland and Romania in order to attack Ukraine. Oh, right. uh, I know. No, that's what they're going to do. They're going to pull them out from there and they're going to move them. There. But it's still going to be a Saigon embassy moment in Iraq because it's the biggest friggin military overseas military base I think we have other than I think the the other than um, the one in uh, Abu Dhabi. Right. The one that's um, that is was a CENTCOM, I think is in is in uh, Abu Dhabi or Qatar, one or the other. I can't remember. I can't remember the big one that covers the Middle East. Um, that that could be f- ugly, and you know, at this point, does the you know would Biden want a, a reprint, uh, a replay of Afghanistan? Of course he does. He doesn't work for the United States. He's a traitor. He works for he works for globalists. And, yes. You know, it's so you know. Of course he's going to do this. So I see that coming, but then again, I also see those guys getting transferred over to, you know, Eastern Europe. Um, I know well, why. I, thinking, the, I know why the polls are, are they're they're masking the polls on the border because they don't want Belarus to come into the war. So right. if the, so if the right. Belarusians and the Russians together come in west of Kiev, and then Poland will come in from behind. You know, that's what I, I'm, I'm sure that's what what's been game planned out. Um, and do, I, do you think? Um, I mean, obviously, these terms are in a way meaningless because nobody's a goodie. But do you think Putin is more of a goodie than than the American deep state? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's no there's no doubt in my mind that Putin understands all of this stuff and is actually what he's yeah. doing is trying to break. It's not just the U.S. deep state because you know you Brits have got a lot to say about this. Like, oh, am I, I, I mean, you guys evil. are. I mean, it's, I, I, they're like joined. Y'all, y'all are joined at the hip. Like, and you know, I, I talk about this stuff all the time. The British animosity towards the towards the Russians goes back to this Revolutionary War, for Christ's sake. Because you know, multiple times did you know the Russians back the independent the, the 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 independence movement in the 1790s, 1780s, as well as the Revolutionary War, as well as you know, backing the Union during the U.S. Civil War, right? And so the British animosity towards the Russians 
is you know is from a from a British aristocracy perspective is is deep and abiding, and it's why you know it's almost why you, know, you you can see why like Mackinder Heartland theory makes perfect is is like perfect justification for this animosity, and um, you know well, as far well, as I'm concerned, you guys have been trying to take the, take the their colonies back for the last 240 years. So <laughs> tell me about the Kinder Hartland theory. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's no different than like Brzezinski uh, or Wolfowitz doctrine, the Brzezinski doctrine, which is that the world Island, which is the, you know, the Europe, the Eurasian landmass, who, he who controls central Asia controls the world Island, right. controls the world. And if you can't control the world Island, then nobody's allowed to control the world Island. Oh, the and that's game. why, that's why y'all have been, that's why y'all, you know, moved into Afghanistan in the 1860s. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we called it the great game. Right. Um, yes. And you, you're right. It, it, uh, yeah, I, I sort of, I'm aware of this now. Yeah, right. that, that yeah. was what it was all about. The, the retreat from Kabul, it, all the all these stupid, crazy foreign ventures, which made no logical sense. Right. That they're rooted in this sort of atavistic. Where are you, by the way, on Kazaria and on the on the, the so-called Kazarian mafia? I try to keep out of that because I like my platform. <laughs> I have an opinion on it. I tend to keep it to myself because what's the point? Because there's so many other ways to just to address that same thing without actually addressing that yeah. same thing. So what I would say is if you look really carefully at like the way the Brits left, you know, the Middle East. So the Sykes-Picot Treaty was designed treaty was designed to keep the, the everybody fighting amongst themselves, to split the Kurds up into four different countries in order to, you know, in order to keep them agitated and angry and and same thing with you know if you're going to pull out of india you have to create anti-india so you create pakistan and then you leave yes then, and then you give the wrong region to the wrong country in order it's like this is very typical this is what the you know i i mean i hate to do this but you do realize what we say over here in america which is why did the sun never set on the british empire because we don't oh. people roaming around in the dark because god didn't want people these people roaming around in the dark like it's, it's bad and we're not, and no, and, and we learned all these lessons from y'all. Like it, it's, this is this, this is the, the thing that, that drives me crazy is like, and you know, it's like Europe and, and America are joined at the hip in a, in a, in, in, in a solipsistic fugue. But to think that one is subservient to the other is kind of silly at, at the end of the day. I can, on certain vectors, we set policy and other vectors, you know, Europe sets policy and it's just the way it is. I mean, the Brits, up until this year, y'all have controlled the rate at which we have to pay back our debt. LIBOR has undergirded all the all U.S. dollar denominated debt. So, you, in effect, City of London has controlled the U.S. banking system for 200 years. And that changes, by the way, in June when we go completely off of LIBOR and move over to SOFR. So, that is a this is a big deal from... Um, the, this is one of those things that has changed that most people don't have any idea about, which is that I don't know anything about this. Can you explain me? What's that? I don't know anything about this at all. Okay, cool. So what does it mean? mean So yeah, this is another one of these like pillars of my argument about the way the world is operating and why the fed is, is, um, I think at war with the globalists and why I think the appointment of Jerome Powell and the appointment of John Williams to the New York fed was so important back in 2017, because SOFR, or the Secured Overnight Funding Rate, is a replacement is a domestic replacement for LIBOR. As a matter of fact, the entire world is moving away from um, this kind of this kind of thing. But it, it it has to. So up until very recently, up until 
literally January of 2022, um, U.S. banks could write debt instruments, a mortgage, a car loan, or whatever, that was indexed to LIBOR, to the London Interbank Offer Rate, right? Which is what has, which is what has been the debt indexing rate for the entire world, most of the entire world, for decades, if not over 100 years. You know, and it's an, and, and an anachronism from the days when, you know, we didn't have instant communication. So the London banks would call each other up at the end of the day and go, hey, what did you sell pounds for today? What did you sell dollars for today? At what rate? And then they'd come up with a rate and they would publish it every day to give people something, a benchmark to work from on the next business day because it was necessary. But it's always also always been the thing is that's what's going on in London. Does it have anything to do with what's going on in New York or Atlanta or Minnesota, or, but so now in previous times past, when the Fed tries to raise interest rates, and the if the offshore if the if the dollar markets overseas start to seize up because the Fed's raising interest rates, cutting back on on liquidity, global dollar liquidity, then the offshore dollar banks, which are more leveraged than the American banks are in terms of dollars. And have, and are greater in, t- in their size, right? The offshore dollar markets dwarf the American dollar markets, right? I don't think people realize. A lot of people don't realize this that there's ten times more dollars floating around overseas than there are at home, right? And it gets worse and has gotten worse every year because of our, you know, selling debt and buying goods, right? So as our debt increases, we're and then that allows everybody to lever up and get, and get more and create more dollars and then have, and then effectively have more control over a Fed monetary policy. Because if the world gets a cold, right, and LIBOR starts to blow out because the cost of dollars starts to rise locally as people scramble for collateral and, you know, make their payments and make their payroll and all the rest of it. Well, then as LIBOR rises, even though the American banks may not necessarily be under any stress at all, but Guess what? My car loan has to go up. My credit card rate has to go up. My, 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 uh, my, my, my credit revolver as a you know, if I'm a Permian Basin oil driller, my credit revolver went from four percent to nine percent. This is what happens, and eventually that forces the Fed to pivot. It's and it always happened in the past when you had globalists running the Fed, especially Bernanke and Yellen, under this zerp nerp kind of zombie friggin' global economy. Well, SOFR went into effect in a pilot um, project in 2017, rolled out slowly over a five-year period in order to replace LIBOR so that American debt trades against real American debt transactions and demand for money domestically as opposed to globally. So now the link has been cut. City of London no longer controls the, uh, the debt indexing. In, in, in America, and now LIBOR actually has to follow SOFR and has to actually follow what it, ex- and ha- anticipate what it thinks the Fed's going to do next. And if you, and I've been charting, I've been doing this for a while now since I started thinking about this, and every Fed rate hike has always been, has to be anticipated in severity by the LIBOR markets so that there's not a rate shock on the day when the Fed raises rates. Guess what? Today, right now, the market the LIBOR markets are in denial that the Fed is going to raise by 50 basis points in three weeks. It, the, the spread's still nine, nine, nine basis points. By now, normally, it would be freaking 25 or 30, and we'd be moving up that ladder. And complete denial. 
So this is a big sea change, James. This is a, a, a fundamental thing. And LIBOR is going to be, is dead by June of this year. Okay. So, so, so far um, will be, that's is the law of the land. The What's that? It's going so, to reduce the power of the city of London. Yes. Um, what's it, over what's over it gonna, American What's markets. it going to mean for, Okay, what's it going to do for us ordinary folk? Are we going, is, it, is, it, is it net positive? It is in the long run because it allows the United States and allows the Federal Reserve to finally have control over its monetary policy for the first time since really the end of Bretton Woods. And that, right. and if the Fed, the and if the evil, Fed sure. is now, if the Fed is actually acting in the United States' best interest, which is what I'm arguing, not... Right. You know, and because Powell made it abundantly clear, he's like, we are not the central bank of the world. We, he said it this morning, we are not coordinating. We do not have anything to say about climate change outside of a congressional mandate on us, which the which Congress hasn't done. He said this this morning, explicitly, again, saying the same thing that he said to Christine Lagarde last June before he started tightening offshore dollar markets. Okay. He did started doing that when he raised the reverse repo rate five basis points over the Fed funds rate and drained a trillion dollars out of the offshore dollar markets in a, in three months and the euro collapsed from a dollar twenty two to a dollar fifteen. This was in June of twenty twenty one. Okay, now so, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry because I can I can like so, riff on this for twenty minutes before you even get it. No, no, I mean I, I'm just trying to I don't sort want to go too of, fast. This is so the Fed you're saying is rejecting the climate change narrative and, it, and it's acting more in America's interests. Absolutely. So it's arguable that this could have a positive uh, knock-on effect in in Europe, but because if America's not playing this stupid shit game anymore, it's going to be harder to justify insane climate policies in Europe, maybe? It's also It's also going to ensure that the ECB goes bankrupt and that the European Union breaks up. Yay. Okay. This is the, this is the game. Happen. It's also taking the it's also taking the money away from Congress to fight a war, which is why they're so desperate to get us into a war because they need to get the Fed to monetize trillions of dollars of war spending to neutralize the situation. This is what this is what Martin Armstrong was talking about in that article this morning or that article about the inter interest rates and in war. Okay, he was this is this is the underlying thing that he was talking about. And the Fed is clearly trying to stop World War III by pulling back on the dollar supply. This is weird, Tom, because I, I mean, for, for, certainly since I became awake, mm -hmm. I've thought of the, the Fed as the embodiment of pure evil. I mean, maybe not as evil as BlackRock, but, but pretty, pretty evil. I agree. I, look, I, dude, I, I hate the Fed with the, as somebody put it on my Twitter feed this morning, with the power of a thousand suns. But right now, yeah. They're the guys with the motive, means, and opportunity to break the people who are even worse than them. Okay. Um, am I right, by the way? I may be wrong, guys, folks. Is... I mean, I, I've been like, I've been, I've been, you know, promulgating this thing for almost a year, well over a year and a half now, and keep asking people over and over again, prove me wrong. I, I want to believe that I'm wrong because the best, the best way to constantly do this is steel man the argument, and I've been steel manning. I've been trying to steel man this argument for a year and a half and watching it play out. But day in and day out, I'm starting to get people going, I think Tom's right about this. I hate the Fed, but what? damn it. they may He may be right. I'm like, it, it, because their incentives are line up. Again. Okay. 
So forgive me if I ask dumbass questions, but I'm just trying to sure, sort of no, understand no it myself and then maybe on the path of, of the, everyone else. So going back to my sort of, they're all evil, but they're, they're, these, are, these are rival gangs duking it out, yes. like rival ma- mafia families. And it just so happens by some quirk of, of history and fate that the Fed, which is, which is we know is, is evil as uh, with the Thousand Sons, whatever, um, that, that somehow the interests of the evil banks that own the Fed, that J.P. Morgan and the, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and stuff, happen briefly to align with those of us ordinary folk. Is that right? Yes, that's that's the best way of looking at it. And I and I would also I would also um, remind you that I really do believe that Goldman, Morgan, City have more power within the Fed today than the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. With the Rothschilds do. Oh, really? I think the I think the Rothschilds have been been marginalized here. Because if you you've, have got, evil you've got a very you got a very interesting split on Wall Street. You've got Bank of New York Mellon yeah. and um, BOFA, Bank of America, and a couple of others, and they're all in the Davos camp. They're all and, and then right. and then their subsidiaries like BlackRock and Vanguard and whatnot, because they're they go to they go to Davos every year. They sit and chat with the Klaus yeah. Schwab. And then you've got you know who who wasn't at Davos twenty twenty two? J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup. Now they're all going to be there this year. It's, um, somebody published the entire list guest list, and I tweeted out this morning when J- when Jamie Dimon comes out this morning and says uh, the Fed's going to have to keep interest rates well above five percent for a, quite a long time, certainly through twenty twenty four. And echoing what Bullard has said, echo- echoing what Powell has said, and other people. And I'm like, so interesting. Do you think Dimon's going to go and tell uh, Klaus von Kami Schnitzel that uh, he's done? Is he going to Davos this year to like revoke Klaus's charter? Because that would be hilarious. And when I when I watch Jamie Dimon talk, he's like, fuck ESG. We need to drill for oil. Like, this is just dumb. Whatever we've done here is just stupid. And anybody who thinks otherwise is dumb. And like, like I, I've never really liked Jamie Dimon, but I, I've liked what I've seen yeah. in the last 18 months or so. And and my, my partner, Dexter White, made this point to me one day when we were chatting about Dimon, and Dimon in particular. And he said, do you remember... He had that aortic section a couple of years ago where he nearly died, right? Diamond, you know, his heart basically exploded. If he hadn't been where he was at that moment in time in proximity to the best heart surgeons in the world who understood what was happening to him, he was dead. Yeah. Now, even a guy like Jamie Diamond has a moment of clarity after a moment like that. It was this is it's been JP Morgan Chase that has led the fight against the European sovereign debt and European negative interest rate policy. It has been Morgan right. that has been that that has been the catalyst, the tip of the spear, over and over and over again. And it's hard for me not to see that that way. And again, I'm not trying to turn any of these people into good guys. I'm not trying to yeah. do any of that, but you know, there's a certain point where you have to ask yourself, personnel is policy. And you know, and if you don't assess yes. these men as men, if you just assume, assess them as cartoon characters, then you wind up in a you wind up in a very easy place to be, but you don't necessarily wind up in a very accurate place to be. 
you know, you may be accurate in the long run, but you've got to get, but you've got to work through the order of operations to see how we get from A to, to Z. And are there opportunities for off ramps between here and there? Again, not saying that we're not going to, you know, it's not a big shit sandwich. We all have to take a bite. We do. Yeah. There's the, the markets are so mispriced. Their assets are so mispriced. It's going to be hard on everybody. But what, but right now, the Fed is causing, is trying to cause deflation because de-dollarization is going to cause hyperinflation. Okay. The Chinese right. are divesting their, 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 their treasuries. The Russians have already done so. The Japanese are even having to do so to, to protect the, the, the yuan, uh, the, the yen, yada, yada, yada. This is all happening. And all those offshore dollars yeah. have to come home and be destroyed. Otherwise, the dollar hyperinflates and the Fed loses everything. So, yes. Okay. So, uh, natural that the Fed can't even pivot here, even if it wanted to. And this is why I keep saying that we're going to go to 7% on the Fed funds rate in 2023. Because I don't see how the Fed can, can do anything else other than say to capital, come to us, we'll pay you 7%. Yes, Congress, you're going to have to stop spending money. Yes, Congress, isn't you're not going to be able to send $50 billion to Ukraine next year. Isn't that shit for gold, that, that uh, a high interest rate? No, 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 no. It, this is a lot. They're having to do that because there's a loss of confidence in the Federal Reserve. High interest rates right. are a response to a loss of confidence in the stewards of the currency. Gold yeah. will peak when interest rates peak. And then once everybody's... Just like in 1983, once Volcker raised the interest rates high enough that he could divert capital back into the, you know, and convince everybody he was going to save the dollar, that's when gold peaked, that's when interest rates peaked, and then interest rates start to come down, and then gold gets crushed, and then gold goes back into a bear market because people can now believe in the system again, and they can put their money into an interest-bearing asset. We're going to the gold part of the conversation sure. earlier than I'd intended. So, so if, okay. if you don't mind, we'll, we'll rewind back to this point in a moment. But no problem. since we're on the subject of gold, I mean, gold's been really disappointing for a very, very long time now. Mm-hmm. Is it ever going to do the thing that gold bugs want it to do? It's already doing it. Everybody bitched about Is gold it? in 2022 and, it, and gold was the only major bear asset that was up other than the Nikkei and the FTSE 100. The DAX was off. The Eurostox 50 was off. The Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ were off. U.S. Treasuries were off. German bunds were off. Gold was up 1.2%. Yeah, put that in in the, like the last three days, but doesn't matter. You bought on January 1, you looked at your gold balance on, on, on December 31st, you were up 1%. Everybody else was off 7 to 15%. I mean, bonds got killed 25%, 30%. Okay. I, so relative to the rest of the market, sure. I, I see what you mean. And think about this as well. This was against a historic bull run in the dollar. The dollar went through a ballistic yeah. bull run last year and gold still held its own. So Okay. So in dollar terms, I, I mean, it's horrible making predictions. And because, sure. But, but, but where, do, where, where, where can gold go? Where will it go? Oh, I, I won't do that. What I'll say is, because I guess, no. again, it's like, a, yeah, I can pick a number and yeah. it'll be, you know, I'm, woo, well, that was nice. And, yeah. you know, it's, and it smells like shit because, yeah, yeah. well, it is. Um, yeah. What I'll say is this, because as a technical, as a chartist and as a technical analyst, I just look at it and go, okay, well, we've got a little bit of a bump in the road, in the resistance zone at around 1900. Then we've got the all-time high. And we've got everything above 2000, between 2000 and the all-time high around 2090. Watch for a weekly close above 1900. 
If that happens, we're probably going back to 2000. Then we'll get, then we'll do the round number dance at 2000 for a couple of weeks, maybe get a correction, and then we should go higher. If I'm right about it, loss of institutional confidence, gold will easily break the all time high in the early part of this year. The Fed will usually come in in March and try and cr crush gold in some way. They always do at the March meeting. It's like yeah, it's yeah. like clockwork. Boston. We get a we get a we get a Q1 rally, and then we get and then we get two quarters with the doldrums, and then we get a Q4 rally. Like gold has been doing this shit for like eight years now. Um, but Powell, I don't think is as hostile to a, a rising gold price because he knows that in a sense he wants interest rates to rise and he wants higher yields in order to slow everything down, in order to cool everything off and attract capital back to the U.S. And what's the best way to do that? Allow the yield curve to rise. Allow the yield curve to to to, be, to go upwardly sloping again, not to have this big, you know, 210 inversion that we have on the, the two-year versus the 10 years, about 65 basis points. So I don't know, man. Like, I, I can see gold at 23 to 2,500 by the end of the year, given, you know, that wave pattern easily. And I think it has Which to. And then in 2024, which is even look. better for miners, yeah, yeah, no, it's good for miners. Miners, yeah. It, so my point being is that watch gold relative to oil because the biggest input to gold mining is, of course, energy. And if we'll get twenty three hundred dollars gold if oil goes back to one hundred dollars a barrel, simply because the gold miners won't be able to sell into the market and make any money at less than two thousand dollars an ounce. Okay, so yes, of course, right. Good point. So. So, you know, we'll see twenty three to $2,500 gold next year. I don't think that's even going to be hard. Like, it's, a, it's honestly, it's only a 25% increase. And if you're, yeah. you know, that's not, you think about it. It's like, it's just, what, four to 500 bucks over 1900 What is that? Okay. Yeah, 20%. That's great. I think 20% return on gold once every decade is not a bad idea. Like, you know, I can see 20% increases in gold for the rest of the decade. And then we see what happens. And where that goes, Does it wind, we wind up at 6,000. Again, the Chinese are buying now, the Chinese have changed their buying pattern. They're, they're not their buying pattern, but they're, they're um, I was telling, I was, again, I was chatting with my partner about this yesterday. And I said, he said, well, what about China? I said, notice what China's done. They've now, usually when they restate their gold reserves, they just come in and go, we've added another 800 tons to our, or 1,000 tons to our, our reserves. And then they don't say anything for six years. Now they're going 30, 30 tons a month. They've done two two months in a row now, around thirty tons that they've added. Are they do it if they do a third month? This is the new this is the new policy for China, right? The Russians have been buying gold like you wouldn't believe, and they're going to continue to do so, but they won't publish the numbers anymore because it's a strategic asset. So they've just stopped reporting the numbers. But you can assume that the Russians are adding most of their trade surplus in gold every month, and they're buying it probably at three hundred dollars under the market from their miners from their domestic production. Right. Uh, they're probably paying $1,400 okay. an ounce for it. Um, so, and, you know, and then so everybody else is starting to buy as well, but they're doing so because they're worried. So. Good for silver? Silver is a an industrial metal. It is no longer a monetary metal. It has a little bit of monetary character. What I would say is this. What I've noted at silver is that silver is actually the new copper. Whereas copper used to be the... Dr. Copper, the thing, are we going into a recession or are we going into an expansion? We'd watch copper. Us commodity guys would watch copper. I think silver has replaced copper because of the importance of the chip industry and because of the literal zero stock to flow. Nobody keeps strategic amounts of silver around. Right? It just flows through the market. There are strategic stockpiles of copper around, which buffer and, and 
futz with the price. Um, I think the two of them in tandem tell you what's happening in the industrial metals. So silver is your leading indicator of what's going to happen in industrial metals. We saw this this fall. Silver started to break out after the low to down into the high 16s. It's now trading around 24. Copper now is breaking above its range between 375 and $4. And now the rest of the metals are going to follow into the in the rest of Q1. Is silver going to do well here? Break through 26, it's going back to 32. If it goes to 30, goes through 32, it's going to 50. If war breaks Whoa. out, okay. easily $50 silver. Like global Ooh. war. Okay. Easily $50 silver. Okay? Fine. Okay. Um, and where where are you on cryptos at the moment? Uh, I I just tweeted out this morning, actually, with somebody asked me about this. Somebody, somebody mentioned it. I, was, I tweeted to somebody else. You know, hey, during the gold bear market, you should be buying gold and selling your Bitcoin into the Bitcoin bull market. Well, Bitcoin's now in the bear market. Gold is starting the bull market. So you should be buying the first half of the gold bull market, then stop, let it run. And you should be you should now be the money you would usually buy gold with every month. Now you buy Bitcoin with. So you, you as a contrarian indicator, they're both hard hard bearer assets. I as far as I'm concerned, Bitcoin and gold have a lot of um, uh, um, characteristics in common. And right now they're out of phase with one another. So Bitcoin is 17 grand. Yeah, it may drop a little. You know, you may just want to keep stink bids under the market in Bitcoin. Watch it carefully. Uh, for any break below sixteen thousand, though, on Bitcoin, it's going down. Well, it's going to go to eleven, and then that'll be the end of the bear market. And then you buy with both fists. But if you just want to like buy a yes. little bit every month, yeah, it's cool. Like, you know, just buy a little bit. You know, buy a couple hundred bucks and keep sticking in a wallet and don't trade it so that you incur capital gains. Don't fuck around. Just buy it and accumulate. Same thing with gold. Stack sats, stack coins. Same thing. Don't don't open yourself up to to ridiculous tax implications on the stuff because it's not worth it you're you want to make money on the big trends where you hold it for a decade and and then at the end of it you're like oh shit i have life-changing money because that's the best way to, to play this i think um because you know none of i'm okay i can chart with the best of them out there i i, I won't I, I i'm not that's not a that's not being um arrogant or anything but i can't trade with the shit i can read them i can read yes. the charts but i can't trade them because I'm too, I don't have the right personality or temperament for it. So I don't, but yeah, I can advise people either. how they can trade. They've got the personality for it and they need a com confirmatory chart read. I, I have patrons who are commodities traders and hedge fund managers and whatnot. They ask me for chart reads all the time. And then they go, yeah, that's about what I saw. Cool. But you're showing it to me from a different perspective, which is great. So. Yes. Okay. So um, going back to mm -hmm. that, that early point in the conversation. You, you've, you've cheered me up, Tom, uh, in, in many different ways. I Good. mean, you've, you've sort of presented the, you've talked about imminent war and you've made me feel positive about it because <laughs> you've, you've, you've shown me that, I don't, I don't mean the gold, the gold and silver, no, no, I, I mean know, more I the understand. fact that your point about, yeah, you're right. The, I think there the may be a counter, just... what I'm saying, James, is I think there is a counter revolution that's out there and it makes sense that there would be. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to win or not. Is what I'm saying, you know, but we should at least be open to the idea that there is there. It is there. And what we yeah. see, yeah. we should support publicly, because if we can move the zeitgeist on this. Then we can yes. avoid the fate that we think we're, we're we're I mean, it's like everything else. If you put the right in the right ideas into the world, they may come back to you. The right. I mean, I hate to be all woo, woo about it, but if you put the right energy into the world, you might just get that back. Yeah, you know. 
Okay, so. well, one of my one of my favourite take homes from this conversation so far mm-hmm. is what you were talking about is this this schism in mm-hmm. the cabal yes. or the, or the, the predator class between. JP Morgan and Co. and Citibank, and on the other hand, Rockefeller's Rothschilds and stuff. Now, if I remember rightly, the WEF is essentially a, Rocker, a Rockefeller project. Nelson and David Rockefeller, I think. And Kissinger Basically, and all the rest of yeah. Kissinger, mm-hmm. Kissinger headhunted Klaus Schwab, yes. who, who may be of Rothschild ancestry, yep. um, yada, yada, yada. Um, so what it means is that that, that, that set of baddies are possibly on the on the back foot right now i think they are because the the rockefellers invented the whole climate change agenda as well yes, didn't they, they really did. yeah no i think you're With right Murray i think Strong. that's a good that's a perfectly reasonable read um again it may need more fine-tuning than that but you know but but for, as a first order approximation for people to wrap their brains around right i think this is the best way to kind of look at it because again you know these people are all sharks right at what what happens yeah. when there are no more piranha in the shark tank then the sharks have to turn on each other. Yeah, up. or what happens when a great white fights with a with a tiger shark, right, or a bull shark, right? Exactly. Know, so the better, the better. The way I described it on, I think when I was on with Tom Woods, I said, just think of it this way: um, there's giants fighting in the clouds. Jack and we're Jack. We just climbed up the be- up the beanstalk, and we're like, uh, try not to get stepped on. Who do you want to win? I, yeah. I I don't know. I just don't want to be stepped on. But I think it's those. I think I want that giant to win. And when they're and when the and when the two giants are done fighting, we hope that one of them is so wounded that we have the opportunity to then take them out later. Um, and that's the way I have to look at it. And uh, yes. we'll see what happens. The, and the other thing I, I, I wanted wanted to sort of add to this mm-hmm. discussion was um, a friend. Of, when I was feeling really low, when it was when it was about twenty twenty one, and I, I could see the, these death jabs being rolled out, and one loved ones succumbing to this propaganda and stuff, and Everything's, you know, an imminent financial collapse and so on. And a friend of mine who who runs this speaker agency and one of one of the is that he's actually my speaker agent. He can never get me any work because I'm too controversial. <laughs> all, the, all the corporate clients, you say, right. what, what, James Mad Dellingpod? No way. No way. Yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, just just that's too far. But but he's a, he's, a, he's a lovely boat. And, and one of his clients um, is very well connected in the world of commerce, you know, sort of one of those organizations that represents all the, the big wigs involved in, in, in commerce. And what this person was telling him was that, no, think, yeah, things are really, really bad. I mean, much worse than people understand. But there is cause for optimism because it is finally dawning on the higher ups that they're not all going to get a seat at the top table when this is, you know, that they, they were not part of the plan. Bingo. Bingo. Yes. And when you pull that shit to the New York bankers, they're like, uh, yeah, yes. fuck you, dude. Like, fuck you. And th- so now let's talk about BlackRock, because I know you're going to like what I have to say about BlackRock. Oh, so, please. Okay. So Martin Armstrong... Again, Martin Armstrong, about six, I don't know, no, but it's almost nine, maybe 10 months ago now. He writes a, a private blog post talking about BlackRock. And he says, you know, it's been almost 51.6 years since BlackRock's been founding. And that would put them cyclized in a very, very vulnerable position. I'm like, all right, Martin, what are you trying to tell me here? So uh, a couple of weeks later, I'm doing my market report. I do a twice weekly um, private podcast for my patrons. Um, you know, kind of a, an informal chat and then some chart reads and some slides, right? Um, talk over a, a PowerPoint. 
And I'm like, I'm looking for something interesting to talk about that morning. I had nothing else. And then bing, that popped into my head. And I said, I sat down, popped up investing.com, looked at BlackRock's balance sheet, its its financials and all the rest of it. And I looked at it and I'm like, huh, all this money rests on $38 billion worth of shareholder equity. That's it. All this power, all this might, all this $8 trillion with the assets under management, blah, 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 blah. All this power that Larry Fink has, they have access to the to the Fed fund. They have access to the Fed discount window directly to go get cheap money and go buy up, you know, burb claves outside of Minneapolis or whatever the hell they want to fucking do with it and overpay for it, which they did. And I'm thinking to myself, $38 billion, that's not a lot of money. Yeah, they do $100 billion a quarter in asset management fees. Okay, great. And now I think about who they're aligned with. And now I think about Jamie Dimon. And I was in a, I was doing a, I did a speaking thing down in Miami. I was sitting out in the, 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 the second story, uh, uh, you know, veranda on the, at the, at the, at the Hyatt with my, with some people. And I said, got, I got a rye in one hand and a cigar in the other. And I sit back and I go, all right, now I'm Jamie Dimon and you're Solomon at Goldman and you're this guy and you're that guy. So that Larry Fink guy over at BlackRock getting a little uppity don't you think thinks like he actually runs the world don't you think yeah what did they do last quarter in business a hundred billion bucks it's a nice book of business i don't know about you but my net interest margin you know banking is crap i ain't what did you make last quarter what did you make last quarter why is he getting all the fucking money oh and he's gonna he's gonna tell the fed what to do i i have a i have a solution to this I'll take 50%. You guys split up the rest of it however you want, and we'll take them out. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, we call up our pal Jerome over at the Fed, and we raise interest rates in a year, 4.5%. That conversation happened in early 2021. I'm convinced of it. While BlackRock was using the Fed discount window, which Congress gave them that power through the CARES Act, thanks to Trump, the idiot, they were planning on massively raising interest rates and trap BlackRock in a whole bunch of overpriced uh, domestic real estate. I think that's coming. And you see it in BlackRock's chart. It's everywhere. It's tracing a bankruptcy chart. It's tracing Enron. So you mean, so they're, they're crashing the, the property market through high interest rates? Well, they're crashing certain property crashing. markets. They're, they're going to crash certain property markets. They've Which even, are? What's that? You know they're going to try. They're, they're, which, they, which, they can crash the, the the really overpriced ones, and you know are they going to crash the ones in like rural North Florida where I am? That's you know that's already a terminally underpriced market relative to the rest of the world. No, but they didn't buy a lot of that stuff. They bought some of it. They bought some. They bought some over you know overpriced tract housing on the east on the west side of Gainesville for four hundred thousand dollars a piece when those houses are worth no more than a quarter quarter of a million. So multiply that. Multiply seventy tract houses and in, in the east side of Gainesville, you're upside down 150 grand by 50. And now all of a sudden it's starting to become real money, especially when you're starting to talk about, you know, your equity balance, which is only, you know, and then multiply that by 50 or 60 cities. Now all of a sudden your $38 billion worth of shareholder equity doesn't look so good. And most of BlackRock's liabilities aren't even direct debt. They're interest rate derivatives based on that debt. It's, it's, even, it's even sicker than that. They are so leveraged. On, they're, they're so leveraged, it's not funny. And Fink has made himself a series of very powerful enemies on Wall Street. I'm convinced of it. It makes no sense for me whatsoever to believe that Diamond doesn't want 
their fund business. The same way that he that he 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 blackmailed everybody over Lehman Brothers going belly up. He did the same thing to Dick Fold. Stole their oh, business. This is just so this is this has got to be bad for Mark Carney as well because he's in he's in bed. Oh, and, and nothing would make me happier than to watch that prick fucking fall. God, I hate that. Yeah, fuck. yeah, yeah. Jesus. I'm 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 Tom. I'm 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 getting overexcited now <laughs> so, because. Okay. You think you're excited? So, Feel these nipples. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, I, okay. My nipples are harder than yours. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, so, because what? I mean, I think one of the great fears of many of the people watching this watching this podcast is that BlackRock were going to buy up all these properties around around the country at sort of knockdown prices and it was all part of the WF's plan you will own nothing and be happy yeah no absolutely but you're so, so you're saying that that i mean presumably it has been happening this oh, this, yeah. this black rock thing of buying up every property everywhere but how are they going to support about, that about to when they bought stock. all that stuff it's zero percent fed funds rate or one percent fed funds rate and then they're going to have to pay against seven percent how are they going so, to? You mean this is a big Rock, deal? Who do they, they sell this shit to if they try to? When get you out say of it? leveraged, yeah, and it's all leveraged. How leveraged were they? I don't that like I'm not I'm not asking I don't know that answer and I, I but I just look at the numbers and I say to myself they're vulnerable and the people who best know how to take advantage of that vulnerability are on the opposite side of the trade. So I'm just going to yeah. watch it, not just popcorn. And just watch so it. They may be evil sharks, but there are evil sharks. Right basically. now they are, and they may be and they may be wildly entertaining in the process. If you know how to read some of this stuff, dude, I cackle at this crap every day, James. Well, I yeah. I mean I may be cackling on my way to the freaking graveyard, but if you know, I yeah. mean but but I mean if you're not having any fun, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I refuse to be completely blackpilled about this stuff because it's it's easy i mean it is easy to be that way and i don't begrudge anybody who is in that that headspace because it is so, so fucking monstrous and evil yeah but part of me just says look you know why don't we look for where the outs are you know if you're a poker player you're always calculating your outs right am i in a good you know where am i in the hand how many outs do i have how many outs my, of my outs do my opponents have blah blah blah, blah. do i have the nuts yet mm -hmm. you know and then you go, like, and then you just play the hand you're dealt as best you can, and then look for your outs, and then say, okay, well, these are our outs, and and from a you know, and then you just you know, I, I I can't. Everybody has their incentives to survive, and during when everything is pushed to its existential crisis point, that's when you find out where people's character and what their real true natures are. Like, they don't call them private private equity Powell for nothing. I've said this, I've, I've told the story a hundred times where I said, you know, the first day after I started having this idea that maybe Powell was off the reservation, I went to my people at my, our private chat server. And I said, look, this is what I'm thinking. Am I crazy? And one of my, one of my patrons at the time, who was very active at the time, is a former, you know, is a hedge fund manager and, and knows all of these people. Like he knows Powell and Diamond. He knows all these people because he used to be a part of that group. And he's like, they don't call him private equity Powell for nothing. You're not off base like he has cut from a different cloth than the people who have run the fed beforehand he's cut he's right. cut from a place where he's put his capital 
at risk in a real situation, as opposed to Bernanke and Yellen, who've never held a private sector job in their lives, who have never managed other people's money, who have no responsibility to them to anything other than the oligarchy that, for which they serve. And so that's a different headspace. And so right. was, is, it, is it enough to, you know, derail the train? I don't know. But I can I can hang my hat on that and then put that into the into the ether, put it into the zeitgeist, and then see what happens. And I'm liking your hat stand, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> it's yeah. a it's a very attractive, shiny hat stand, which I would put my hat on too right now. It's right. good. It's good. We've done we've done um precious metals and we've done mm-hmm. cryptos. Where are you? Where's property going to go? Surely it's, it's going to be not good for property in the next. Very time. mixed market. Depends on where you are. If you're talking about the American market, everything that's overpriced is in trouble. You know, so we're talking about your hovel uh, on, on the outskirts of San Francisco that, you know, you think is worth $600,000. You better sell it now because it'll be four fifty by the, you know, by the end of, you know, six months, by the end of June. If you're talking about where I am, in you know, I, I I identified where I am in rural North Florida as the next ring of development in this area. That's like rural North Florida, southern Georgia, the Panhandle, Lower Alabama, what we call LA or Lower Alabama. Like I think that whole that whole property market does well because people can sell and they have been selling their hovels in you know their 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 things in the their their three two in the Burb Clave in suburban um, California that they paid two hundred grand for. 15 years ago, they sell it for 600 or 650, come to Florida, come to where I am and buy a five acre ranch, right? Already fenced with a freaking barn on it or, or pole barn and for 200 grand or 250 grand pocket the three okay. and live off the interest while they try and figure out how they're going to make, while they're going to, you know, make a living out there in a place like, you know, White sure. Oak or, you know, North of Lake city or something. I, 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 there's so many options. And I see that from so many people. That it's what's what we're seeing. So I've seen land prices in my area, for example, double. You know what they were languishing in 2019 at you know four or five thousand dollars an acre, and now roadfront property in, in my area is nine ten thousand dollars an acre with no problem. Easy thirteen in some places. Easy. But Tom, Nothing I can't right. I can't move there because I haven't been I haven't had the death jab, um, and your your president <laughs> your your cabbage in the white in the yes. Oval Office mushroom. What, what, I like to call them the fungus. The fungus, yeah, yes, what, the, yeah. Well, no, I like eating fungal, mushrooms. Though. The, 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 for, I don't like mushrooms, so that's a, so for me, it's like you know, oh, eh, okay. like the first fungal president. We they they keep them in the dark and feed them bullshit, right? So, so the fun your fungus won't let me in, so I can't right. buy. I mean, have you got for any now. views on my own country? Well, this, I, I and as, as far as UK is concerned, I don't really know the UK property market at all. I'd say that London is probably in trouble. You know, if you've got overpriced property in London, you're probably in trouble. If you've got a, if you've got, a, yeah. if you're leveraged on it at all, um, I would think yeah. that the rural property is. I would again, I would think the rural property is going to be. Um, you know, we, what we have is a, a world filled with cantillionaires. If you're familiar with the phrase the cantillion effect, which is those who are closest to the creation of new money get access yes. to it first. So these are all cantillionaires, right? And it's a great phrase. I can't take. I can't take credit for it. One of my patrons came up with it. I'm like, nope, but I'm using it. So um, the cantillionaires are the ones that are, are, interestingly enough, they're the ones who are in trouble in a high interest rate environment. So look oh, really? where, where they are, right? Because they all got this, they all got their debt at 0%, but now their debt's going to be 
but now they have to deal with uh, a rising cost of capital, either on their business or their business expansion, their property, you know, their home value or whatever. And their balance sheet is based around 0%, zero cost money. Now money costs 7%. So the value of their balance sheet, even though it may not affect their cash flow, but it's certainly going to affect their equity and their and their balance sheet. It's going to drop tremendously, and there and that means that they're surely... not going to be able to lever it up as much. And blah 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 blah. So their HELOCs are oh. they're not going to be able to take a HELOC against the property. And if they do, it's going to be at nine percent, and it's only going to be for thirty percent of the loan value, as opposed to you know of their of their equity as opposed to seventy yada yada yada. And that's all going to that's all going to pull back, right? So you mean that they're going to be tightening their belts rather as, than as they have been before, mm-hmm. leveraging up to their whatever. Sure. And, when money is just... when money costs nothing, why not lever up? Why not use other people's money? When it, money costs nothing, then so does risk. And so that's why we get, you know, in the classic Misesian Austro-Libertarian perspective, when money costs nothing, we get malinvestment into the into things that are based around a low interest rate environment. So we get investment into windmills and you know boondoggle projects and electric vehicles and you know thirty thousand dollars with the solar panels on our houses in the north you know get an hour and a half of sun a day what the fuck are you talking about the 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 return on investment on the solar panels is twice the length of the service life of the damn solar panel you're just burning money even at zero percent you're burning money but hey you know far be it for me to tell people what to do with their freaking cash so, I don't know. Can I just, just ask a stupid question? Sure. If they're cantillionaires, surely they are so close to the inside track that they, they've been able to see what's coming. Therefore, they've been deleveraging, so they're not exposed anymore. Well, maybe some of them are. But a lot of them, if you look at the way the markets have been pricing, the markets don't believe that the Fed's not going to pivot. And because of that, and they also right. believe that they have enough political power and a political pull to force the Fed to pivot. There's a lot of that been going on as well. So you're right in that that's a that, that's a real so many did some of them get out? Sure. Did they already move into commodities? Yes. Have they already bought gold? Absolutely. Have they already you know, traded out their you know their London flat for, you know, a couple acres in the country? Maybe. Right? But yeah. I you know, I don't, you know, but at the same time, it that's not what's that's not the real bulk of this moreover when you start to think about the the funds that have been created off of these off of that and the amount of money that's been pushed into funds and and um uh you know investment vehicles that have very specific covenants very specific prospectuses and they can't get their money and and these funds are so big that they can't move their money they can't move a lot of money without moving the price and now right. all of a sudden yes, that's the problem. Now liquidity becomes everything. So you're BlackRock sitting on a two hundred billion dollar or you know a hundred billion dollar fund, and you need to and you start getting hit with a whole bunch of redemptions, and then you got to sell into that. I mean, all of a sudden everything that just has a massive spillover effect of the underlying assets, because those redemptions hit, then BlackRock has to sell the underlying assets, the shares, and or you know those, and then they have to fall in price, and you can't. You know, when it comes to like an interest rate derivative, they'll sit there and they'll and they'll play the game of leaving it on their balance sheet at at, at model versus the market because there is no market for these things, and so they mark to model versus mark to market, 
and then they keep their balance sheet looking better than it is. But eventually, somebody calls bullshit on them, and eventually, they have to like they have to realize the the loss. Eventually, it it starts to show up. They can paper over the losses for a few quarters. They can get around it, and then all of a sudden, one day you wake up and they don't have any liquidity. Oops. And then the Bank of England has to subordinate itself and bend the knee to BlackRock in order to keep BlackRock solvent. Because it's exactly what happened when the pension funds went belly up the other six months ago. This is this is more good news, I think, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's I'm, excellent. I'm, I'm, it's excellent. Again, my nipples are hardening up. <laughs> the, uh, um, sorry, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have put that thought. We've probably upset. It's an old line We've upset another. It's that great moment at the end of the thing when Bob Costas and, and Al Michaels are like, you think you're excited? Feel these nipples. Yeah, the Al Michaels of all people to make that joke was hilarious. Like, dude, it's that movie's hilarious. If you're an, oh, as an American sports fan, that, that movie is still like, it's so good. I, I'm not sure which who who are going to be more upset, the male viewers or the female viewers. <laughs> I, 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 it, it's it's, but we haven't done. We, mm. We've we sort of touched on it. But we haven't done done stocks. Presumably, I should have, if I'd had any sense, I should have liquidated my portfolio like last autumn. Mm. Uh, no, you still or, have an opportunity if you're if you're in the if you're in the FTSE, the foot if you're in British stocks. Actually, they did really well last year because the British pound got killed, right? So. People moved out of the currency and out of the debt and into stocks. They, there's a the, the general theme, James, is tangible assets, right? What's tangible assets? So in yeah. Tur- like for example, a year and a half ago, I put my people into the Turkish stock in the Turkish uh, ETF. Why? Because Turkey was going through hyperinflation, and the Turkish stock market has tripled. Like we've made money. Like like I didn't even catch the beginning of the move. I made you know I caught like the middle fifty percent of it, and I think we were up like eighty five percent in the portfolio on it or whatever. So some some it's only eighty five percent. We didn't get the full triple, but you know this. Turkish if only I'd subscribed, Tom. I I, I feel I feel like I've cheated myself. I can... <laughs> but the same. But you know the sim, similar things going on. I when I was really surprised actually when I was doing a post the other day and I went through and I went all. Grabbed all the major stock markets. I'm like, oh look, the FTSE was actually up a couple of percent last year. So you traded water while the currency lost 25 percent. You traded water. So those who moved out of that moved their savings out of pounds and into British stocks were actually able to preserve some of the purchasing power. You see what I mean? Right. Okay. Right. So yeah, yeah. yeah no, now, I, I, now is are we going to see another move down in the pound this year? Probably. Versus the dollar, probably. So then the question is, do you rotate out of FTSE stocks and into the Dow? I think the Dow is going to 40,000 on capital flight what out of Europe. They're purely out of cap- on capital flight out of Europe. Christine Lagarde at the okay. ECB has, has two choices, and she's playing this game every day. She can either protect the value of the euro, or she can protect credit spreads internally within the EU and versus U.S. debt, but she can't protect both. She has to either sell the euro to protect credit spreads, or she has to you know, she has to sell euro to protect credit spreads, or she has to sell debt to protect the euro. She can't do both at the same time, not with a hostile Fed. Not fee- if, so the, if the Fed is what? continuing to cut cut back on offshore dollars, there's no liquidity within the system for her to play the shell game. Okay, so the euro is going to collapse, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that going to be I'm, I'm predicting major. a euro at eighty cents by the end, of, yeah, at some point this year. Which is which is great for our European holidays, provided that we're still allowed to travel. Yeah, I mean, do you reckon they're going to try that shit on us? Do you reckon they're going to oh, yeah. try and stop us? Because oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Because, because we're talking about civil unrest from the fact that people can't eat and heat their homes. So why do you think they're trying to keep you from being able to move around? 
Because if you can't move, then you can't organize. If you can't organize, you can't overthrow the governments. Why do you think Klaus Schwab does not want anybody having individual transportation? He literally came out and said that the other day. We have to end individual transportation. Yeah. So then look at what they've done. Remember what, the, what, what started the yellow vests a few years ago, right? It was the 25-cent tax yeah. on diesel fuel. So the French people said, and they were angry, and they were very vocal about why they were angry. You told us to stop buying cars that run on petrol. I'm, I'm talking to a Brit, so I'll use petrol as opposed to gasoline. And so we moved to diesel because you told us diesel was better. So we moved to diesel and we did what you told, you told us to do. Now you're taxing us on diesel fuel and we can't afford diesel fuel. So fuck you. You can't raise the tax on diesel fuel. So we're starting to see the same thing with electric vehicles. They subsidize everybody to buy electric vehicles. They give us $25,000 on tax credit and blah, 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 blah. They get the price down to get everybody in the electric vehicles. And now that we've moved, you know, some small percentage of people into electric vehicles, now you have Gavin Gruesome out into California saying we have to tax you extra for recharging your electric vehicles because you're putting too much um, stress on the grid. Guess what? That was as predictable as, this, as the day is long, but that's not a bug. That's a feature. They're trying to get people to stop using individual forms of transportation. So they, they haven't even waited to get everybody into electric vehicles before they close the trap door on us because the system is collapsing that much faster because the, because the, the transition is that much is, is already too fast. So yes, you know. which is, which is good in the sense that it wakes more people up sooner. Yes. But yeah, yeah. no, it is. You're, you're absolutely are you, are you confident that people are waking up at, 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 at sufficiently uh, at a speed sufficient to counter this? I don't have. I can't. I, I can't answer that. But what I can say is, what we're seeing is people getting woken up all across a number of different vectors all at the same time. So some people are, woke, are, are awake about the vaccines. Some people are awake about the electric vehicle subsidies, or this, or that, or this, or that. And while individually. None of those things scream to, our government hates us. There's a conspiracy to kill us all. Once you encounter two or three of them, then your pattern recognition brain, that starts part of your brain that starts looking for threats, will see four, five, six, and seven. And I think everybody's got about one or two in their, in their quiver, not people like you and I. We've got them all. Okay? Yeah, we've got, but, we've got the full No, set. we've got them all. Like, it's, uh, but yeah. I got there ages ago. But the yeah, I know, I know you did. So I, I apologize for not being with you earlier. No, 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 no. It's it's it, it, it's fine. It, it's what it is. Everybody's a little, everybody gets their different at different rates, and that's fine. I, I grew up on a diet of Philip K. Dick when I was a thirteen year old. I, I've been seeing threats to civilization since I'm thirteen, for Christ's sake. Um, so, but if everybody starts to see, I think I'll, most of the population is at the one or two stage. They've seen one or two threats. Yeah. And they're not willing to go until they get that third or fourth data point. And it'll take more people. Some people will take longer to get more data points before they finally fall off. And, you know, for me, it was two. I'm good. That's it. I see the pattern. I'm done. And then oh, oh, there's the third one. And then there's the fourth one. And then I become, and then I start doing this for a living as opposed to just screaming at, screaming at people in my, my laboratory where I, when I used to be a chemist and everybody thought I was crazy. Now everybody calls me up and goes, dude, you were so right about everything. I'm like, I um, it's it's fine. It's great. I don't care about the credit. I just want people to be awake. I don't I don't give a shit. It's not about my ego. My ego's big enough. I don't give a fuck. You know, I don't need that shit. The what's important is that we get people there. Because we have to get people. Yeah. And the more people we get there, the less chance Klaus and company have uh, any chance of winning this. Yeah. 
I think that all of us in this, all of us in the space, I think have a, a, a massive role to play in all of this. So, you know, just, we, if we just keep do, oh, totally. doing, we're going to get there. I mean, this is an information war ultimately. Mm -hmm. And so that means that you and I are on the front line. Yes. We are kind of, we deserve, I would say, um, silver stars. Um, what's the, uh, Med Congressional Medal of Honours, sure. VCs. I, I, we're I, just doing I mean, that. again, James, the I, I get that every day. I get new patrons every day. I get I get people saying to me every day, "Thank you." I can't believe I get, I get the feedback I get from my patrons is is off the charts. Now I have I have an army of twenty five hundred people who are my patrons who are literally out there scour scouring the internet and curating the internet for me. I don't even have to go out and find the shit anymore. I feel lazy. It's a good business model. But it, it is a brilliant. It is a brilliant business model. Yeah, and get your patrons to do the work for you. Well, well no, I didn't. And I didn't <laughs> intend it that way. To be honest with you, I just I set up no, a no. chat server or a Slack private Slack simply to have a place for us to, to communicate and and so I can keep in touch with people if they needed questions or you know and a safe space for them to talk about whatever they wanted without fear of reprisal. And I gave them that, and they've turned it into this. They've done this. This was self organizing. This is a. I, what I've created is an intentional community and a black uh, community I, people. And I, and we we're all doing it. All of us who are, got, who are podcasters and all of us who are doing anything like that, we're doing it whether we realize it or not. That's why I think locals is a, is a, even though I'm not on locals, I think the whole framework of how locals operates and the, and, and the tools that they give everybody, I think is a great tool. We, we're not, we don't happen to be there. We're on Patreon, but you know, cause I started this. I'm totally with you, Tom. Yeah. The, 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 the people I've met, I mean, if I'd be able to look into the future and say, you're suddenly going to discover that the, the world is run by an evil cabal, which wants to kill you, poison you, take your money, um, stop you from traveling and stuff. I'd have thought, well, that doesn't sound very good. But actually, my experience has been the people I've met since I went down the rabbit hole. I just love, I love my, my, my supporters, you know, whoever they are. It, it's it's the, the best people. It's they are. Been, it's been They're a joy. They're amazing. It's been so exciting. It has. And it's been, you know, it's funny. I, I'll give you a perfect example of one of, um, I, I, I'm not even sure I should say this, but um, we're, uh, you know, in two weeks. Is it about your nipples again? Well, no, 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 no. It's nothing, nothing off color. It's that, it, I, I, you know, over the, just before the Christmas break, I never really break, never really take a day off. But somebody said, hey, um, how many of us are in Florida? Why don't we get together for, and I'm thinking, cool, yeah, okay, well, 15 of us will take over the back of a Sunny's, which is the local barbecue chain here in Florida. Yeah. And we'll just sit in the back and we'll, you know, you'll, you guys can watch me eat too many ribs and, and pontificate wildly. And, you know, then I'll go out into the parking lot and smoke a cigar. It'll be great. Or we'll go over to the coffee shop and we'll yeah. smoke, and I'll sit out front and smoke a cigar and we'll keep doing it. No, it's turned into like a big event, like, the, the, we uncovered so much um, desire and demand to meet as a group. Like, I had to, like, get a room and, like, you know, it's insane. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, I, I'm, and I'm looking at my people going, oh, I, yeah, I adore you. And these, this, I, I, people yes, are going, exactly. I wouldn't miss this freaking thing for the world. I got people coming down from Canada just to have dinner. It's not even a two day conference yeah. or anything, it's just dinner. You know, we're going to do dinner and then we'll go to a pub afterwards and, you know, do a, like, that's what we're yeah. going to do. And these people are like coming down from freaking Canada or driving in from Savannah or from, from Charleston, South Carolina. And like, like what, what are you nuts? Like, I'll come to you, like organize one in Indiana for Christ's sake, not Illinois. I won't go there. Not yeah. don't come to New York. I won't go there. You know, no California, you know, 
We'll go to Vegas. We'll have a good time. Um, well, I, Tom, I, I hope that I, I can one day. I hope America is not closed to me forever because it'd be nice. I to don't think it will be. Hang with you and your... well, I meant to mention this earlier, James, because I think you know, we need to wind down because I got another call in about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, sure. do. But, but, um, and I, I, I love the conversation. I'm happy to come on again, uh, which is the following. One of the things in the House rules that the 20 rebels forced onto McCarthy, which is to get rid of all federal um, vaccine mandates. It was in the rules that they have to bring that to the House for. So, and they just this morning fulfilled one of their 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 rules, which was um, to rescind seventy billion dollars worth of of uh, uh, the budget for the IRS and the eighty seven thousand new auditors. They re that 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 bill passed the House this morning. So, is that is that is like, to America again? Yeah, maybe. And like I, you know, Maybe. I have I have patrons over in over where you are in the UK that are that really want me to come over there, and I'm like, again, I'm not going to get vaccinated. So you know, if it's if it's a thing, then Tom, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to. Dude, tell us where we can find your find you and subscribe, my and, work, and all that stuff. Uh, you can find me over at my blog at tomluongo.me. That's L-U-O-N-G-O, but just search Tom Luongo, you'll find it, uh, or anything close to that. Um, and you can find me on Patreon at Patreon slash Gold Goats and Guns. You can sign up for the newsletter or just uh, the the market reports in the chat room. Uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at TFL1728, where I piss off everybody literally every day. It's so much fun. Um, thank you, Tom. And and um, my side, um, I really appreciate your support, everyone. I, uh, I really do. Uh, remember, they, the enemy, are trying to make it really difficult for people like me to, to earn a living. They're, they'll do anything they can. I get loads of shit from banks which don't want to process your payments. So try and find me on, on Patreon or Subscribestar or on Locals or on Substack. It doesn't matter. You, I mean, basically, you're just trying to give me money to do what I do so I can go on doing what I do, um, I hope. Um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for your support. And Tom... Thank you again. Um, it's been it's been great fun. Thank you for cheering me up. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, and I'm glad we finally got the that we were able to finally make this work. So you know, third time's a charm and all that. It's all great. And great. whenever you want to do this again, and James, of course, oh, absolutely. You, of course, you're welcome back. Yeah, and so and 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 the and, and the same thing goes for me. Uh, I want to just I'll well I'll get with your your uh, and we'll we'll get you on my podcast and we'll go from there. Okay. Oh, yeah, totally. I'd love that. Okay. Thank right. you. you. Take care. Bye -bye. We'll talk soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.